Welcome to day number five of the Reading the Bible Together podcast. We're reading through the Bible together this year in the NLT using the One Year Bible Plan. And we'll start today's reading in Genesis chapter 11, starting verse 1. And our Old Testament reading will end in the 13th chapter of Genesis, verse 4. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylon and settled there. They began saying to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used instead of mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. So we see here, my interjection immediately, um, really, uh, I think most people in our world would read verses 1-4 through four and say, wow, that sounds really good. Um, everybody's united. They are building together. They are uh, doing the maximum of human ingenuity. And basically, they're building a tower that reaches into the sky, the heavens. Verse 5, though, uh, says the Bible would actually say that this type of Everybody getting along, unity, speaking the same language, actually isn't what we should want. Verse 5, But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said. The people are united. They all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. This is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. Why would God do that? This is my interjection. Um, Because we were trying to become God, which has been our problem since the very opening pages of the Bible. Is We don't want to serve God. We want to be God. The only problem is we are bad gods. Everything we do causes people to be hurt around us. We're selfish, and we do not know what to do with our power because we are not God. We're human. And so God confuses the people. Verse 10, we're going to jump into more of uh, lines of descent. This is the line of descent from Shem to Abram. Verse 10, this is the account of Shem's family. Two years after the great flood, when Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of Aphorixt. After the birth of Aphorixt, Shem lived another 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Aphorix was 35 years old, he became the father of Shelah. After the birth of Shelah, Aphorix lived another 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah was 30 years old, he became the father of Eber. After the birth of Eber, Shelah lived another 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber was 34 years old, he became the father of Peleg. After the birth of Peleg, Eber lived another 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg was 30 years old, he became the father of Ru. After the birth of Ru, Peleg lived another 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Ru was 32 years old, he became the father of Sarug. After the birth of Sarug, Ru lived another 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Sarug was 30 years old, he became the father of Nahor. After the birth of Nahor, Sarug lived 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor was 29 years old, he became the father of Terah. After the birth of Terah, Nahor lived another 119 years and had other sons and daughters. After Terah was 70 years old, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Verse 27. This is the account of Terah's family. 
Terah was the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Milcah and her sister Iscah were daughters of Nahor's brother Haran. A little bit awkward. Verse 30. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day Terer took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, his grandson Lot, his son's Haran's child, and moved away from Yor of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while he was in Haran. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Here, uh, my interjection, verses 1 through 3, we see this beautiful promise that God makes to Abram that is a theme that carries throughout all of Scripture, that all the nations will be blessed through the line of Abram. Uh, we know that this is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus thousands of years later. And isn't it true that all the families on earth are blessed through Jesus? Amazing that we get to look back at a promise that God made that has now been kept. It should encourage us and build our faith. At least it does for me. Verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem, where he set up camp beside the oak of Morin. At that time, this area was inhibited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord, who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country, with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. He worshipped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. Verse 10. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife Sarai, Look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Let's kill him, and then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Pausing here for my interjection, we see that Abram was not picked because he was just a brave, courageous man or a man of great moral compass. As you see here, he is literally telling his wife to pretend to be his sister so that he might have his own life spared. Disgusting, really, on many levels, which should be encouraging to those of us who are far from perfect. God can still use us. Um, God still can love us, not because of what we do, but because of what he does. Verse 14, And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone notices Sarah's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king. And Sarah was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abraham many gifts because of her. Sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. 
What have you done to me? He demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. Chapter 13, verse 1. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev, along with his wife and Lot, and all that he owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built an altar, and there he worshipped the Lord again. And that's the end of our Old Testament reading, and there at the end we see what truly matters most. As Abram, imperfect as he was, as cowardly as he was, he was a man who worshipped the Lord. Let us be people who, at the end of the day, worship the Lord, worship Jesus. Make it not about ourselves, but make it about him and him alone. Moving on to our proverb of the day, it's Proverbs chapter 1, verses 24 through 28. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. Oh, Lord, help us not to ignore wisdom. Um, God, there's some things in life that are just simple because of the way you set them up. And oftentimes our problems or our life discipline or our life struggles, if you will, um, are not something that is just bad luck, but it's simply we just didn't follow wisdom. And uh, God, I do not want wisdom to laugh and mock at me. Lord, I want to be a person who comes to wisdom before I need it. Um, and Lord, I pray the same for everybody who would be listening to my voice today. Moving on to Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 26. And you might have heard my computer there. Um, I always like to mention that because people might think it's their own device. And that always annoys me when I'm listening to a podcast and I hear somebody else's computer and I think it's mine. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 26. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Pause here. Isn't that a beautiful tie-back to the Old Testament story we read? um, It's not about being righteous or right or thinking you're so good and then God wants you. No, it's God blesses those who are poor and realize it's, I know I'm a coward. I know I can't do it. I need you, Lord. And the good news, Jesus says, is the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn. This is verse 4. For they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you, persecute you, and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. I just feel led to read verse 11 and 12 again because I think it's going to be important to somebody today who is struggling, who is feeling attacked. Um, Let these words of Jesus uh, settle into your heart. 
as I try to let them settle into my own. Verse 11, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one sets a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least of the commands and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So uh, let me pause here because uh, we, we get this tension that we see throughout Scripture of, um, you know, we, we, we believe in God's law. We believe uh, what God clearly commands is for our good, and we ought to do it. Uh, we, we ought to not just ignore what God says. No, we, we should want to follow in God in all of life, and everyday life. So when God says to do something, we should want to do it. When he says don't do something, we should not want to do it. We should teach others what God's law says. And then in verse 20, Jesus says, but you must remember that it's not because you do the law or how well you do the law that you are right with God. He says, your righteousness would have to be better than the teachers of this law and the Pharisees who are like the top of the top religious guys. Or you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So, our entire merit is earned based solely upon what Jesus has done for us. But that does not mean we don't strive forward. Dallas Willard, one of my favorite thinkers, he says uh, that grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Beautiful. We cannot earn anything. But we ought to put forth effort to be godly. And it's actually God's grace that empowers us to do that. Verse 21. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, even if you are very angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being bought before, brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person, and then come offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to the court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accusers may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. Our psalm for the day is the fifth one, and we are going to, as always, walk through this with a posture of prayer. Psalm 5, for the choir director, a psalm of David, to be accompanied by the flute. I do not have a flute. But that would be really cool if I did. Verse 1. O Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Yes, Lord, as I come before you right now praying. Lord, I pray that you would hear um, my desires. You would hear my groaning, my voice for you. Lord, I pray that you would hear those who are suffering. 
You are begging for peace and begging for that which is in accordance with your will. Verse 2, listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I pray to no one but you. Lord, you are my only hope. I have no one else to pray to. I have no one else that can only do what you can do. Verse 3, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. Oh God, help me to, to be like David here as he writes this psalm. I want to bring my request to you and then I want to wait with expectance that you're going to do something. You're going to answer that prayer. Uh, either in the way that I ask or in a way that is better. And Lord, I just pray that you give me peace to wait uh, with that expectance. Verse 4. O God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. Therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence, for you hate all who do evil. You will destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers and deceivers. God, I am a murderer and a deceiver. I've never murdered anybody with my hands, but my anger... Uh, as we just read in Matthew chapter 5, is the equivalent. I am evil. I do not deserve to stand in your presence. And yet, Lord, you made a way through Jesus that I might be able to. God, never let that simple gospel message become anything less than beautiful to me. I pray that it would grow in its beauty day in and day out, as I even think back to this last week and the sins that I've committed. Lord, I am wicked, and the proud may not stand in your presence. And I know that there's an arrogance each time that I sin and go against your will. And yet, Lord, because of what Jesus has done, you love me. Verse 7. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. Yes, Jesus. Yes, I join with that line and I praise you for that. I will worship at your temple with the deepest awe. Verse 8. Lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Make way plain for me. Make your way plain for me to follow, Lord. That is my prayer. I want to read that again. I'm going to read verse 7 and 8 again because it is just perfect. It is my prayer of my heart, and I pray it's your prayer also. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple with the deepest awe. Lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Make your way plain for me to follow. My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. This is verse 9. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. O oh God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. God, I do pray this of my enemies. Lord, my enemies are not of flesh and blood, as you tell me, um, but they are of the Spirit. And Lord, there are industries. Uh, the industry of pornography is an enemy. The industry of sex trafficking is an enemy. Lord, the, the, um, the over-political nation and nations that we might live in, the, um, the people who prey on those who do not have education, those who prey on people based upon uh, their skin color or prey upon people based upon their gender, Lord, those are enemies of your kingdom. And I pray that you would destroy them by their own sins so that we might see you fully and walk in your kingdom. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Yes, Lord. 
Help us to feel that shield of love. What a beautiful picture, God. I pray that might be true. Thank you for our time in your word today. Lord, I pray that tomorrow is just as beautiful and just as rich. Amen. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this reading as much as I did today. Very sweet reading. And uh, I would encourage you to go back and pray through Psalm 5 yourself. This psalm, um, wow, it just sings. It is it is beautiful. You can just read it with a posture of prayer without adding any of your own words in it. It works. Um, and so I'm eager for you to do that and, and let me know your thoughts as well with all the reading. Um, if I said anything funny, it's because I don't edit this podcast. So um, maybe go back and check and look for yourself if something doesn't make sense. But I do hope that uh, it did and you will uh, get with us. I get with me and share your thoughts because I truly believe it's better to read the Bible together than by yourself. And so you can um, post those thoughts um, in the various ways that you can get in contact with me, whether that's BlakeFarley.org, which is probably the best place, or on Facebook. Uh, Until tomorrow, uh, my name is Blake Farley, and if you want to support this podcast, you can do so by supporting our church at AscentChurch.org. We will see you tomorrow for day number six of reading through the Bible together.